Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Chairman, you're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, good Sunday morning. Good morning to you, Scott. This is our last show of 2020, and I couldn't think of a better guest to invite back on than Eileen Waterstone, um, Steve Martin's personal assistant, my cousin, and someone who doesn't mince words about anything. And I think she will be a very enlightening and energizing guest to do a postmortem on 2020. 100% agree, Arnie. Back after this with our guest, Eileen Waterstone. Arnie Sherman, we are back with our esteemed guest, Eileen. Third time. Eileen Waterstone from L.A. Eileen, there's been many, many occurrences in this past year. This is sort of the year in review show, and we couldn't think of a better person to talk about that with than you. Wrap up up the year with. Wrap up, yeah. Year in review, wrap up. up. Right. Postmortem. Of all of the groups that were created and we've learned about this year, Antifa, Proud Boys, all of these new things that come into our vernacular. My favorite and the one that I'm most interested in is Grannies with Masks. <laughs> you are the founder of. So will you share with our listeners the stories of gra- the story of Grannies with Masks? Well, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, you know, I did start this organization and then, you know, I had one action and then it kind of um, didn't happen again. But I think that, you know, we're still going to have to do another action. But, you know, you were all over the L.A. news. I saw you on TV and and covered. Yes. Yes. Uh, Citywide. Well, I live on the west side of Los Angeles, which is a very affluent area. I live in an area called Brentwood. And, you know, um, this was quite a few months ago, and I live on actual Sunset Boulevard. So I see a lot of foot traffic and a, and a lot of car traffic. But, you know, um, I think it was probably the middle of March that we were uh, initially told to stay at home. That, you know, we realized that uh, there was this, you know, virus, this new virus that was present and that it was already beginning, you know, to affect people. And not only were we told to stay at home, but we were told to, you know, start wearing face masks and, um, you know, face masks. I mean, can I just talk about that? That has become the most unbelievable industry face masks i mean like every fancy designer is now making face masks i mean like saint john a very high-end women's you know clothing line is like making face masks I and mean, how much is saint john's charging for these well, face masks? they're like 40 bucks a piece mm-hmm. you know or you can get, you know, the cheap medical ones, which apparently are actually the most, you know, the most protective, the three-ply disposable face masks. But there's all these fancy and beautiful. I mean, I, I had to make a whole drawer for my face masks. You know, I've been, like, ordering them like a lunatic. I, I, I don't know. I just can't stop ordering face masks. I prefer the ones that can also be used to rob a bank. Well, exactly. I mean, you should have more than one use eventually. <laughs> do you have your own drawer for the face masks? I do. Can... I have a drawer for them because they started taking over my lingerie drawer. So I had to clean out another drawer with T-shirts that I never wore. And I would put I put those in the garage. And now I have a drawer for masks. Just and don't masks mix filter. them up, Eileen. <laughs> no, no, exactly. And I shouldn't go out with a pair of underpants over my head. You know, which, you know... At some point in my life, I might have. But anyway, so I got more and more frustrated, which, by the way, that frustration has not ebbed at all. 
um, towards, you know, the people in my very affluent neighborhood who seem to think that they were exempt from this, you know, this request to put a piece of cloth over their faces. What about the fire station across the street from you? How's that? Well, been? There's a fire station across the street from me. And here is the sad juxtaposition that I see on a daily basis. I sit in my living room, which has a big bay window, which my cats like to, you know, sit in also. And, and the three of us, I have a couple of cats and we sit in my living room, which I now refer to as the judgment lounge. It's the judgment <laughs> lounge. And I watch the paramedics go out a lot now from the fire station across the street. And I am convinced that a lot of the calls that they are on is to pick up people who have, you know, dire symptoms of COVID because mm. our emergency rooms in the county of Los Angeles are now at zero percent availability because there are so many people in the hospital with covid now there are several reasons for this people don't wear masks people don't social distance people were asked not to gather over the holidays and they did people have been asked not to travel and they are i mean you know we saw a, a minuscule decrease in the number of passengers traveling over thanksgiving over last year. But anyway, several months ago, you know, I was watching this phenomenon and I thought, you know what? I'm going to get a megaphone. I'm going to ride in a car with a friend. Um, and I am going to yell at everyone not wearing a mask that I see on the street. And I'm going to say, please wear a mask. Granny doesn't want to die. And I am a grandmother. I have two grandchildren. And we've been shown that, you know, that seniors are the most vulnerable of all populations. I mean, I'm pleased to see that, you know, I'm turning 70 in March, and I'm pleased to see that that will immediately move me up in the group that's going to get the vaccine, which, you know, I'm going to take the minute I can get in line, by the way. We also have anti-vaxxers in this area, you know, that it's just these privileged people who just somehow think that they're exempt from getting the virus or they're not going to get the virus or the vaccine is going to cause more problems than the virus. I mean, you know, they're like all amateur scientists. So anyway, I started this thing. I had a motorcade of about 12 cars. We had signs in the window, you know, like mask it or casket, put on a mask. Granny doesn't want to die. And we rode all through Brentwood, Santa Monica, Venice, and then back through uh, back to my house. And unbeknownst to me, a couple of the people who were involved in this called the local news. So we had ABC, we had NBC, we had KNX radio, and then NBC sent some of the feed to the Today Show. So we were on Sunday morning, and then we were on Lester Holt on Monday night. This happened on <laughs> Saturday. I mean, this was just unbelievable. Now, the problem is I didn't keep the momentum going. Um, but I know that it's time for more actions. I did start a Facebook group. We have about 2,000 members. You know, and you have to be pro-mask in order to join. And uh, But, you know, we need more actions like this. You know, I did buy a megaphone of my own, and I borrowed the other one. And, um, you know, I hope to do another action soon because here's the truth. Every person pretty much who walks a dog in my neighborhood doesn't wear a mask. I don't know if they think that the dog is going to protect them. I mean, Arnie, do you think that Stella is going to protect you from the virus? Yes, She's oh. going to bark. She's going to bark it away, and I won't uh -huh. have to deal with it. Uh, Scott, do you have dogs? <laughs> I have two. Yes. And are they going to protect you from the virus? Not at all. See? They're going to give me this the virus because they lick yeah. everybody. Yeah, they lick everybody and then lick Scott. Anyway, right. anyway, I find it so frustrating that people cannot just put a simple piece of cloth over their faces it would prevent so much of the transmission that's going on here. I had an encounter. The, okay, last week, I'm standing on the street with my friend Tom. He had come over to pick up a book from me. We were both masked up. We were standing pretty far away from each other. And three people go by walking a dog, none of them wearing masks. And I go, hey, how about a mask? And the guy looks at me and he goes, it's none of your business. And if I had been quicker on my feet, I would have said, Wrong answer. It's everybody's business. <laughs> yeah, now. of course. And you know, if it happens again, 
I'm going to. I saw somebody online this week that said they have talked it over with their family, and they are spending the holidays with their family, and they've all decided that they would rather die than not be together for the holidays. And you know what I'm thinking about is, well, maybe they've made that pact with each other, but they can affect lots of other people. And what about those people? They don't have the right to decide whether they kill somebody else no, outside of their family. Read. I mean, I read, I read recently in November there was this big gathering down in Tulum in Mexico. I mean, they didn't do, you know, Burning Man this year, which, by the way, I'd rather eat glass than go to Burning Man, for God's sake. <laughs> But they were down in Tulum. It's like some big art and, and, and music thing. All these young people, no masks, no social distancing, big underground parties. And you know what, you know what I thought of? I thought of the poor Mexicans who work in those hotels who can't afford not to go to work and all the people that got affected and all the people that came back to the United States and Europe or wherever the hell they were from, you know, and and it's like these super spreader events. I mean, those idiots down in Florida, those young Republicans, they had some big party at Mar-a-Lago yesterday, you know, like Charlie, you know, Kirk, who got kicked out of college and and Eric, you know, and uh, oh, oh, this is this has nothing to do with masks. But now Charlie Kirk and Eric Trump are spreading this idea that Trump won because he won more counties. <laughs> I mean, how many people are in your county? There's 10 million in mine and Joe Biden <laughs> won mine. So what counties are we talking about here? Yeah. Well, they're going to dice it and slice it any way they can possibly think at this point. They've exhausted every other possibility. But let me let me just ask you this. What? You got all these anti-vaxxers and a lot of elected officials and people that weren't paying attention to masks and called it a hoax. But isn't it ironic or sad or, you know, stupefying that as soon as vaccine becomes available, folks like Marco Rubio and others are the first in line to get one, to it get it in vaccination. me. Yeah, Mitch I mean, it's just McConnell, outrageous. You know, Mar- you know, Marco Rubio, Mike Pence. Yeah. You know, all these guys now get up and they're getting, you know, they're getting the shot. They're getting the so front I'm, of the line. I'm oh. waiting for that dumb governor from South Carolina. I mean, from South Dakota, Christy Nome or whatever. Right, Christy Nome. Her own grandmother just died in a nursing home where there was a huge COVID outbreak. There's no evidence that her grandmother had it, but she just died. And then she flies off to Washington for some big anti-mask event with all of her buddies. I'm waiting for her to line up to get the shot. I just can't wait. Sure. Well, that's part of the whole privilege thing. Let me switch the focus a little bit at this point. Yes, please. You're, You're in Tinseltown. You know, there's been a great disruption of the movie industry, of the, uh, you know, performing arts, all of that as a result of COVID. What do you, how do you see this, how do you see the industry coming out of this? What's going to happen? People, they're actually shooting stuff, you know. Yes, I know. How are they doing that, Eileen? Well, um, my own boss is shooting a television show, which I can't really talk about, except that it's called Only Murders in the Building, with Martin Short and, um... Oh, God. I'll think of her name in a minute. She's, you know, young and fabulous. Uh, anyway, they, they get COVID tested three times a week. Everybody mm. gets COVID tested. They're in pods. They're, um, you know, the, nobody, they're not allowed to all mingle anymore. I mean, everybody has to stay in their own zone or their pod or whatever. I mean, I find it a little frightening. You know, I do. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're doing it. I don't think it's, I don't think it's on a, you know, necessarily a widespread basis, but my friends who live a few blocks away, the house across the street from theirs fills in as Larry David's house and curb your enthusiasm and they're shooting on their street, you know, and I don't know that everybody is necessarily observing like the strictest of COVID protocols, according to her, that some of the, you know, like the, some of the crew are like walking around, not necessarily wearing masks. I mean, what do you think of, what do you think of the out, the, um, the Tom Cruise kind of, uh, rant? First of all, I think he's insane. I mean, I've thought he's in first, he's in Scientology, so he's insane just to begin with. He's a huge egomaniac. And, you know, I don't think that he should be able to get away with treating people like that. I mean, I heard the audio of that. I mean, he's just nuts. 
And, right. and I think it was two people who weren't, you know, observing like the kind of social distancing he thought. But think about this. His best buddy is David Miscavige, who's, you know, the head of Scientology that I think murdered his own wife. You know, I think he's <laughs> buried somewhere out in the desert. So, you know. Nobody loves a cult. Allegedly. Allegedly. But the most important. But it is interesting how Hollywood has figured out how to get back to work, albeit in a smaller scale. Well, the the one part about it that's really interesting that I don't understand yet. I understand, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm is already on a platform and, and it's on the same platform. However, it aired before on HBO or Showtime or whatever, it's still airing. But what happens when they're shooting. What was used to be a movie and the revenue from theater, you know, participants was the way they generated their return. Now they sell it like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. They sell it to a online platform. They can't possibly be making the same kind of money they were making when they released it theatrically. I don't think they can, but I think that they're trying to do whatever it is that they can in order to keep this going until the such time. You know, after we get the vaccine, I mean, you know, my feeling about what's going to happen with COVID, and it's not just based on my own, you know, opinion. I've talked to people, including my brother, who's very smart, and, and uh, you know, that what we think is going to happen, or most people think is going to happen, is we will get the vaccines. I just saw something online that Pfizer is now going to get much more um, raw material in order to uh, manufacture millions more doses. So I think it's going to come to people sooner, I hope. Hmm. And then they will come up with better, um, they will come up with better medications in order to treat the symptoms, you know, much like what happened with AIDS. I mean, obviously the transmission of this virus is completely different from the transmission of AIDS, but I I lived in Los Angeles and I had many gay friends in the 80s and 90s. And you never heard of anybody surviving AIDS back in the 80s or 90s. Everybody who got AIDS died. I mean, that's the simple truth. Everybody died. Now we hardly ever hear about anybody dying from AIDS. And it's because the medications are better. There's no cure. And sometimes the regimen is horrendous. But people are taking the medications and they're actually living long lives, you know, and I think that's what's going to happen with the COVID. It's not going away. I mean, there's that new strain that they just found in Britain. But then I read that they will be able to come up with a vaccine for that much sooner because they've already come up with a vaccine for this strain. But I'm no scientist. But I think that, you know, that they're going to be able to get back to the business of making movies and TVs. What about live performances? What about going to, you know, a theater and seeing a play or an opera or a symphony? Or music? I think, yeah, I think that's going to be the same thing. And who knows when that's going to happen? I mean, you know, I have I have season tickets, you know, to the local theater here, the Amundsen, and to another theater here. And, you know, uh, now they're coming back to the subscribers and saying, do you want a refund or are you willing to wait? And I'm willing to wait because the money is already gone. And I hope that that will help them, you know, have enough revenue to start up once these, you know, these uh, plays and musicals, you know, begin touring again. I mean, you know, the entire world has been turned upside down by COVID. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's no industry. There's no, you know, there's no, um, you know, pursuit uh, that hasn't been turned upside down by COVID. What? What? What's the restaurant scene like? You're the mecca of, you know, great restaurants in Brentwood and the surrounding area. What's happened to them? They're going bankrupt. It's terrible. Uh, we had, uh, well, originally we were restricted to the first shutdown. We were restricted to, I think, outdoor dining and takeout. Then when things got better in the summer, they had a bit of indoor dining uh, with uh, like 25% capacity. And a lot of the restaurants were putting up like plexiglass partitions between tables and all of that. And then 
we had to stop indoor dining and we were still doing outdoor dining and now outdoor dining has been closed down again. And there's controversy about it because they are saying that it's not necessarily outdoor dining that's causing the problem. It's outdoor bar scenes with younger people later at night who are less likely to observe social distancing and masking and gather in much tighter groups. But, you know, the restaurants are suffering. Um, most of my friends who have the uh, ability and uh, the, um, you know, the money to do this are trying to order at least takeout or delivery three times a week from local restaurants to try and keep them going to keep but, them go to keep them are you traveling outside of your neighborhood at all um are you getting in a car and going to uh I took, you know i took one trip to joshua tree a few months ago to um what was then a safe situation it's an airbnb uh three unit place that's owned by a close friend and I stayed in one place and she stayed in another part of it and we ate outside and, you know, we're practicing, you know, really pretty safe behavior. We did get in a car together wearing masks, but then I was supposed to go back again, but she's traveled. She has made the decision. Right. She went to Austin. She went to Phoenix and I no longer feel safe going there, nor do I feel safe really going anywhere. So what's so the I grocery store experience like on two levels how busy are they and how stocked are they in your area? stores are very stocked um you know we don't i mean we still see name brand toilet paper on the shelves which at the beginning we didn't the one thing we still don't see you know are like disinfectant wipes and sprays and i don't you know but but then you hear about it and then everybody like rushes to get it and whatever um i've been shopping every week to 10 days um they have senior hours which are very early in the morning uh, where they are much less full so i generally shop at my little local supermarket at like 7:30 in the morning and i can get i can get everything i need um, this week, I did a grocery delivery from a service called Instacart because I'm having a little minor, I'm having an epidural in a surgery center uh, next Monday, and I have a mandatory COVID test tomorrow, and I've been asked to voluntarily self-quarantine before and after the test, you know, which I'm doing. So yesterday, I got a service to do shopping for me, and they, you know, they deliver it in a contactless way to your house, so... So you mentioned that Steve Martin, who you are the personal assistant of, just for our audience, our guest is Eileen yes. Waterstone. Yes. So production is is happening, but fewer productions. Has yes. he has he said to you how production has been impacted? Does it feel very different, or is it they're trying to keep it like business as usual? To your point, there's part well, there's people they're separating and social distancing, but and testing, but. Uh, they're shooting it in New York, so I'm not there because I, I can't see. go to New York. So I don't know firsthand what's going on. I mean, if this were a normal year, you know, I would be in New York. I would be on set. I would be doing all of that stuff. But I, I'm not – I can't go to New York. So – and I don't want to go to New York, quite frankly. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't Until feel safe going on an airplane. I mean, I know that people are doing it. And I've heard various and sundry reports about it, but I just, I just don't want to do it under any circumstances. Um, I think that production is going along as, and I think that people are having a good time. By the way, the third co-star is Selena Gomez. I just have trouble remembering names. And, uh, and so, you know, I think that it's going along fairly normally, but everybody has to be exceedingly careful and, so he says he's having a good time. That's all I know. But, you know, again, his other career, which is the show that he does with Martin Short, you know, they were in the UK and they had done two shows. They had done Glasgow and they had done Belfast. And I think they were about to do Dublin. And then they were supposed to do two nights at the Royal Albert Hall. And they canceled the rest of the tour. They chartered a plane and they came back to the U.S. And they're not sure when they can reschedule those dates. 
you know, Royal Albert Hall does want them, but they don't know when they can go back to. Right, the- London is really shut up tight right now. Oh, it's it's, it's yeah, it's a completely clamped down again in London because they have that new strain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, new strain. I think every large scale tour, right? That's speaking. If they were thinking about going out in 2021, they're now thinking about the later latter half of 2021, most likely 2022. And I think right? that's what's happening with most of the theater stuff as well. Right. It's, you know. it's, I, think I mean, it's going to take a long while for you to go into a theater with 6,000 other people in every, and people sitting in every seat. Oh. You're going to have to have some, some confidence that, uh, it's going to be like an airport. that immunity is, is in play. Well, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about sports. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the Dodgers. Sports. Yeah, can we talk about the Dodgers for a minute? <laughs> I mean, I can't believe, you know, that because I've been to the last, you know, I was at the last World Series, the ones where the Astros cheated. By the way, yes, mention that cheaters, right, right. cheaters, the, you know, yeah. the Houston cheaters. Uh, anyway. You know, I would have been at the World Series if this were a normal year. I would have gone to at least one or two games, you know, and instead they played in that bubble in Texas, you know, and, and, and I'm still thrilled that we won. And they did sell a limited number of seats in the stadium. Um, I had a friend who went and it was interesting though. I was watching in the stands and not everybody was even wearing masks in the stands, even with those limited number of seats where they were supposed to all be sitting really far away from each other. Um, but they did manage to play baseball. Uh, they did manage to play without very many players, you know, getting infected. Uh, what's happening in football? I don't follow football. That looks well, like that, that's problematic. They've had they've had a schedule, some schedule adjustments here and there, and they've switched games around just like, you know, professionally. Professionally, he's been more on schedule than college. But let's not even forget, baseball is a sixty-game season. I know. You know that's you know that's forty percent of what you would normally play. Thirty-five percent. You know, it's also kind of sad for me. I mean, I would have liked to have seen us play the full season and win the World Series in front of the fans. I mean, you know, it's been since nineteen. Sorry about that. Um, I'm wondering, you know. Football is, I think, done really well. I think the NBA set the set the kind of um, uh, 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 kind of led the way in how you should create the bubble and manage. Um, I do think back to performance for a second that I think every venue is going to be an airport. I think there's going to be a level of queuing and getting there early and tested until a vaccine has been a hundred percent or whatever seventy percent. I think is a number. Um, where they feel like they'll uh, hurt you. Uh, hurt you know, but even with that, Scott, it's hard, it's hard to plan a whole season because no one knows how long the vaccine is going to protect anybody. You know, it could, it could be four months. It could be three or four months and people are going to get reinfected again. It's like the flu vaccine. We all know you take them every year because they, they're only about 70% effective and they wear off. And nobody knows how long these are going to last because we haven't had long enough to do trials with them to see what their you know staying power is. Well, here's the interesting thing, though. I mean, you know, the, there's the notion of flu season. Um, and I guess maybe there's going to be a COVID season because there is definitely an upsurge as more right. people are spending time inside, you know, during the winter, which is when people apparently, you know, get more flus, you know, when it's cold and people are gathered inside in very close contact with one another. But I don't know that anybody knows. I agree with you, Arnie. I don't know. I mean, we're living in a completely different world now. Part of it, part of it is that clinical trials normally take seven or eight years. Well, we don't have time for that. Right. And we don't have time for that. And part of the reason it takes that long is because you want to see how the lasting effect of the, uh, you know, the vaccine. Right. You know, does it, you know, is the, is the cure worse than the disease? You don't know the long-term effect. And while they're, you know, while they did a lot of sequential testing rather than, you know, in, um, I mean, uh, not sequential. They did a lot of uh, contemporaneous testing instead of sequential testing. There, there has not been enough time to see how long it, it, it maintains its, its antibody 
protection. Oh, well, that's that's with the vaccine, but also even with people who have had COVID. Right. Who get the, you know, who, have, who show, you know, positive for antibodies afterwards. But, you know, people are getting reinfected with COVID. Right. And people that have the antibodies and who think they are protected doesn't mean they can't infect somebody else. Yeah. I've really? seen, I've run into people who've said, I, I already had it, so I don't have to wear a mask. I've already had it. That's not true. But what about the other people you're coming in contact That's with? That's right. You've and you can be asymptomatic. If you've gotten the vaccination, you're still supposed to wear the mask. So. Yeah. That's exactly right. You know, let's pivot for a second and talk about sure. one of your other favorite subjects, which is beating Donald Trump. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, I know and, and since our first meeting, meeting. Did you say meeting or beating? Beating. Oh, beating. Yes, yes. That's my favorite subject. I know Eileen that, I mean, if you follow Eileen on her Facebook, especially back in the 2016, 17 era, there would be at least three to four posts every day. Uh, there would be four letter words thrown around and it would be quite entertaining. So in keeping with, uh, with the clean, uh, the seven dirty words that we can't say in the FCC, let's talk a little bit about Trump and kind of what the last 90 days have been about for you personally, because you've been campaigning since he started. Um, and as, as have we all about how to get rid of him. Well, now he's gone. At least no, we think he's, he's gone. Not. He's not gone. Right. Talk a little bit about your thinking here. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. I said to somebody the other day, I said, I took a two and a half hour nap. I'm exhausted, you know, from the last four years. I mean, you know, from the night that he won the election where I drove, I don't, I don't drink, but I drove home from my friend's house where I watched the returns, like in a blackout. I couldn't, I was so stunned. I, I don't remember getting home. You know, because all of us, you know, gathered together for a nice meal and we were going to watch the first woman president, you know, win the election. You know, my heart is still broken about that. You know, it's always so amusing to me, like when all the burners, I don't have much patience for the burners, when all the burners talk about, well, you know, we're so heartbroken and why don't you coddle us? And I'm like, what about us? We're heartbroken, too. You know, the Hillary supporters are heartbroken, too, you know. Anyway, um, it's been it's been just a crap show from the beginning. I mean, I, you know, you guys interviewed my father, uh -huh. who unfortunately lived long enough to see this jerk elected. I mean, and I think it actually hastened his demise, even though he was a very mm. old man. But you know, my father lived through about fourteen months of the Trump administration, which I still find, you know, I mean, it still breaks my heart that he even had to experience that much of it. I'm grateful, by the way, that he didn't live long enough for COVID because he lived in a senior place and I would not have been able to see him, which would have mm -hmm. been hideous, mm. you know, because that place is under lockdown. I have a friend who lives there on the same floor where my father lived. You know, and, and there's no traffic in and out of there. Anyway, so, I mean, to follow this, and you just think every time he does something, you think to yourself, you know, this has got to be the thing that does it. And it never is. And it never is. And the fact that 74 million or 72 million or however many people voted for him in this election is mind boggling. What it, what it exposes, of course, is a thing that's always existed here. I mean, I'm not a fan of the statement, uh, we're better than this because the truth of the matter is we're not. We're not. This is a very racist country, in my opinion. And I think what happened, you know, during the Obama administration, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of the Southern Poverty Law Center, as was my dad. And we went to a forum at UCLA 
with then director Morris Dees and Richard Cohen, the lead attorney for the Southern Poverty Law Center. And for your listeners who don't know what that is, it's an organization based out of um, Montgomery, Alabama, and they track hate groups. They were the ones who took down the big hate group in Idaho and Coeur d'Alene. They've taken down numerous hate groups and they track them, all kinds of hate groups. And the name of the forum was the State of Hate in America. And this was during Obama's first term. And they talked about how, you know, once this nation elected its first black president, you know, that, you know, racists were coming out from under all of their various, you know, rocks. Mm. And what happened with the election of Trump is that they just came right out in the open, which is why we have, you know, the Proud Boys, the Boogaloos, the, you know, all of the crazy people. And the thing that blows my mind with these people is not only are they being encouraged by Donald Trump, like in Charlottesville, they're very fine people on both sides. But, you know, just the other day, there was a demonstration in Salem, Oregon, a group of Proud Boys who came and, like, besieged the state house in Salem, Oregon. And here's the truth. If these people were black, they would have been shot. But they don't stop these people. And I think a lot of that, I mean, I'm going to just go right in. A lot of that has to do with the police. Mm. A lot of that has to do with the police. I think that the police in many of these, you know, municipalities are in cahoots with these guys. How come? Why would they? Why are they in cahoots? Well, I think that, you know, I think that, that, you know, there's a certain mentality of some people who go into law enforcement. And, you know, in Southern California, I mean, in Los Angeles, you know, particularly our sheriff's department, which is the um, which is the uh, the the group that oversees um, police work in the county of Los Angeles, as opposed to the cities. But there are unincorporated parts of Los Angeles County, and the sheriffs, you know, are there. There is a lot of you know racism that exists among the sheriffs. You know, they have like special little, you know, affinity groups and, you know, and they've been showing this or how they behave and they run the jails, by the way. Okay. There has been so much racism in the jails, you know, among the people who run the jails. Now, I'm not saying that all police are like this and I am not anti-police. My father was a longtime reserve police officer, but I think there are certain segments of police departments that are in alignment with these groups. You know, I don't know where that came from. I I really do believe that. Right, and the LAPD has a storied history of that that goes even prior to Rodney. You, you, in this country, you need less training to be a police officer than be, to be a hairstylist. That does not surprise me. <laughs> wow! But you know, but I mean, look what we saw this summer. I mean, look at look at what we saw this summer. Look at the demonstrations that you know that that you know that came to the fore after the killing of George Floyd. I mean, you know. I can't breathe. So how do you feel about what Donald Trump has done since losing both the Electoral College, since losing, in you know, on that Saturday after Election Day? Like, are, are you surprised at kind of the different oh, tactics? No. Oh, God, no. You know, I, I, I mean, you know, Arnie and I had this conversation yesterday. You know, he's a sociopath. He's a sociopath and he's a complete and total narcissist, you know, and he can't stand the idea of losing. So he's, you know, he's doing every single one of these scenarios. And the thing that I find the most satisfying, the most satisfying, although, you know, Mitch McConnell and his cohorts have done, you know, irreparable damage to our judicial system by, you know, packing the courts with these unqualified right wing ideologues. But, you know, Donald Trump thought that he stacked the court, you know, with Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Barrett, and they refused to hear his case. Mm. They refused to hear his case. Now, you know, now he's raging around the White House and apparently, you know, accusing everybody of disloyalty from Mike Pence on down because he can hardly get anyone at this point to agree with his position. I mean, even Mitch McConnell 
who, as far as I'm concerned, is, you know, possibly the worst person in American politics, even worse than Donald Trump in his own way. Even he has now been forced to accept and acknowledge that Joe Biden is the president-elect of the United States. And slowly but surely, everyone is peeling away from Donald Trump. But we see, you know, I, I saw two of these crazy demonstrations. You know, like I said, I live on Sunset Boulevard, which is a well-traveled street. Mm. And there have been pro-Trump demonstrations in Beverly Hills, like weekly up until... I think that night of the election, like every Saturday, they would take over this like public park space, these pro-Trump lunatics. And there would be these big, um, they would be like motorcades with like, you know, big monster trucks with Trump flags and American flags and, you know, all and, you know, all this crazy stuff. And the week before uh, the election, one of these went by my house and I went out and screamed obscenities at them. (laughs) But on the Saturday that they declared the election for Biden, another one of these guys, you know, things went by. And I went out and I yelled at them, hey, I'm so sorry, but apparently nobody has told you he lost. (laughs) He lost, you know. And they were like, you know, and they were like, and, and, and there are still, I mean, these people who are caught up in these conspiracy theories. Well, it's all part of the, you know, we talked about this, this whole psychological um, notion of confirmation bias, mm. which is you already made up your mind. So you're only going to read stuff that reinforces what your position is and you're going to disregard everything that is not in support of what you're doing. That's all why evidence to the contrary. You know, it doesn't matter. Fact is irrelevant. You've already made up your mind. You love Donald Trump and you're only going to read stuff and you want him to be president. So you can only read stuff that maybe allows that to happen. And you're going to consider, you know, everything else as, you know, fake news, as they, but, as but they that, call it. But, you know, but he set that up, the whole notion of fake news from the very beginning, right. his, you know, his storied administration. You know, I mean, you know, the the the, the sheer number of lies you know, that he's told since the beginning of this administration, I don't know what number it's up to now. But, you know, all of his rabid cult followers, and I honestly believe that they're in a cult at this point. I mean, if he was like, you know, uh, Jim Jones and told them all, you know, to drink the cyanide Kool-Aid, I think they would. I mean, really, this is now cultish behavior that they don't allow anything else to seep in. I live across the street from a lunatic. I didn't know she was a lunatic until I ran into her at the parking lot of my local little supermarket right when the COVID started. And she said, oh, you know, she said the bird flu was much worse under Obama. And I thought, what? And I've made the mistake of going on the local um, news, the local uh, uh, Internet bulletin board called Next Door. Now, Next Door serves two purposes. It can infuriate you, but it can also, like, alert you to which of your neighbors are, like, total crackpots. <laughs> and this woman is a crackpot, and she posted something that was not true by our local city councilman. And then at one point she attacked me, and I don't think she knew it was me, and said, you allow your hatred of Trump to blind yourself to, you know, whatever, to the truth. And I thought, really? You know, and that's how they feel about him. I mean, he is like dear leader. Are there any people in your direct orbit of friends or circle of friends that are still supporting him? No, they're gone. I've just written them off. You have? I had one guy that I kept around for, you know, purposes of longevity because he had been a friend for years and years. But finally, he just did one more thing that pissed me off and I blocked him on Facebook, (laughs) you know, which is kind of all you can do now. But no, I won't tolerate it. I I just don't want to have anything to do with those people. They're just I don't want to have anything to do with them. I will not coddle them. You know, right. I'm, there are people, you know, it's like and then you get on next door and there's people like they want to like, you know, defend the rights of the people who don't want to wear the masks, you know. And if and if you want to avoid them, why don't you just stay home instead of trying to get them to wear masks? And I'm like, shut up. Have you has your diet of cable news and Facebook posts regarding political issues 
gone down as mine has? Absolutely, because, you know, I am not willing to give him like one more nanosecond, mm. you know, of my time. I mean, I have moved on. You know, I, I still will post about, you know, the hypocrisy of all these anti-maskers getting in line, you know, to be the first to get the shot. I mean, you know, because that right. kind of stuff just really still. I mean, first of all, the Republican Party has become such a cesspool of hypocrisy. It's just all hypocrisy and lies. I mean, I honestly don't think that the Republican Party is going to survive Trump. You know, it's it's the party of Trump. I mean, you know, I used to be able to tolerate Republicans. I had friends who were Republicans. You know, they had a different attitude about, you know, like like money and finances. And, you know, you know, they were, you know, they were economic conservatives. But a lot of them were, you know, like social liberals. You know, they were like they were like real people. But anyone who is a member of the Republican Party now, as far as I'm concerned, has drunk the Kool-Aid, which is why I love the Lincoln Project. Can I bring up the Lincoln Project? I was going to ask, yeah, sure. I love the Lincoln Project, all the never-Trumper Republicans, Steve Schmidt in particular. You know, the guy is is brilliant. I mean, his diatribes on Twitter, that's the kind of stuff I want to read. Mm. You know, and Rick Wilson and and George Conway. This is my favorite that Kellyanne's husband, you know, is like such a I think he's quit the Lincoln Project to try and make some peace at home. I'm not sure. But it hasn't stopped him from writing op eds in The New York Times and The Washington Post. But you just sort of think, oh, my God. But then I'm friends with Molly Jong Fast who is doing a podcast with Rick Wilson. She's Erica Jong's daughter, the one who wrote, you know, the uh, Fear, Fear of Flying or whatever it was called. Yes, but Fear of Flying. The amazing Zipless F. Anyway, um, <laughs> so Molly is very good friends with George now, and she tells me that, you know, they don't live together. They live separately. Mm. You know, their daughter threatened to run away from home, their 15-year-old daughter. The other person I love is Giuliani's daughter, who's like, you know, just stay away from my father, you know, like he's, and and what about, okay, can we talk about the Four Seasons landscaping for a minute? Yeah. Oh my God, that was the best thing ever. The Four Seasons landscaping and the, and the, and the press, and the, and the press conference with Giuliani between a crematorium and a, and a, like an adult dirty bookstore. I mean, this is the perfect metaphor for the Trump administration. Like, what a crap show this is. That who thought, you know, they, they, they thought they were booking, I guess, the Four Seasons Hotel and they booked the Four Seasons Landscaping? You've been lied to. Like- Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Forward to in the new year. Uh, I'm looking forward to a new president. I'm looking for... Um, you know, uh, not being embarrassed to be an American. You know, I am uh, I am looking forward to um, getting the vaccine. I'm looking forward to hopefully, you know, this nightmare of covid, you know, coming under control. I'm looking forward to this administration who is going to, you know, talk to the scientists like Dr. Fauci. You know, I think that uh, I think that there's absolutely you know, hope on the horizon. I am looking forward to Donald Trump leaving the White House, whether it's voluntarily or being dragged out by the Secret Service. Um, I am looking forward to uh, baseball returning, as I look forward to it every year. Uh, my dad was a baseball guy, and I'm a baseball guy, and Arnie's a baseball guy. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, some degree of normalcy. I think that we're all going to be able to take a deep breath. I mean, you know, I haven't taken a deep breath really in four years. Mm. It has been exhausting. 
And I think that we're all going to be able to take a deep breath. And, uh, you know, and I think that people of goodwill, once again, are going to be able to prevail. So to your radio audience, I wish you all, you know, happy holidays. And I think a very happy, happy New Year. And Happy New Year to you, Eileen. It's always yeah, good to I mean, catch up with you. It's been a joy to get be your, with you. Get your take on things. I like to talk to you. Um, it's been great to talk to you. And, uh, you know, I like uh, I like being with you guys. And, I oh, I know what I'm looking forward to. What? I'm looking forward to an in-person visit to Montana. To Montana. Right. You're always welcome. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.